and welcome to this week's edition of Megan Fun of Sports. Happy 420! Eddie, are you celebrating? Uh, I'm celebrating by working. Uh, a lot of a lot of shows today, um, and uh, maybe I'll get a chance to, to relax later and watch some of the uh, the playoff action. To indulge in some 420 festivities? Uh, if, if there's time, uh, today, okay. it's just, it's the midweek, you know, the uh, extra points network, it's me, meatballs, uh, we're pulling a lot of the weight together. So it's midweek, a lot going on with shows. So we got to make sure that's all squared away before you could partake. I know it would be really funny if we were both high during this podcast. I am not high because I am actually moving and moving while high would not be a great task because I'm sure I'd lose half of my shit. Um, so anyways, this is our first episode of Megan Fun of Sports without Megan Gailey. She has not yet had her baby, but she is due literally any minute. I checked in with her yesterday. She had her last appointment. No sign of baby yet, but she's getting closer. I think she's going to be induced this week. So we will keep you all posted with everything to do with Megan Gailey and the baby. But right now on Megan Fun of Sports, we are so excited. We have a wonderful guest joining us this week. Her name is Amina Smith. She hails from NBC Sports Boston. She's going to talk to us about all things Celtics. But before we get into that, we have some things to talk about here between Eddie and I. Um, If you are not following on social media, which I hope that you were, I ran the Boston Marathon. I feel like this is such a weird way to start the podcast because I'm like, let's talk about me. But I did run the Boston Marathon. Um, Eddie is a big fan of the Boston Marathon. We have had very different Boston Marathon experiences. But I mean, there's a chance that for both of us, the Boston Marathon ends in a hospital visit. So for you and your college drinking and for me and my running, it can all end at the same place. There, it's it's a special day in Boston for those who uh, have never been. Obviously, the uh, Patriots, while the Red Sox play, what is it, like 11 o'clock first pitch around there? Um, So, obviously, the Fenway area near uh, Kenmore is is pretty jam-packed, and I was lucky enough to go to Boston University, which is very close to Fenway, and uh, also not too far from where the finish line is if you're near our south campus. So, I mean, obviously, that day, if you get a nice weather day, you know, low 60s, I think one of the years that I had, like, low 60s, the sun was out, you have the the Sox playing, you have uh, all the people there cheering on the runners. It it is a really uh, a magical day there in, in Boston. But for Eddie and all the college kids in Boston, Patriots Day, which is also Marathon Monday, is about the drinking. So it is a holiday. There's no classes. Eddie and his buddies would wake up. They'd do some kegs and eggs. And then they'd mosey on out to yell and scream at all of the runners. And I am one of those runners. And we support, condone, and appreciate, encourage this behavior because we want as loud and as crazy of people as you can get, especially at that point where Eddie's talking about, because at Fenway you have one mile to go and you're thinking about ending your life. I I can't even begin to fathom. Like wow. it's, it's, it is really funny how like my day, you know, when I was in, in school, uh, wake up at, you know, six o'clock in the morning with your buddies and you're and like, well, we, you're probably getting ready, stretching, you know, putting on like athletic gear to, to go run, getting your pump up music. And we were doing the total opposite of work. We're just going to people's houses. We're wearing all these different sports jerseys and we're drinking and like hugging everyone. And it, it is a lot of fun. Um, but like, I, man, like I, I it, it is a weird juxtaposition for, for you, and the runners who have been training for, I guess, it had to be months on end, running 26 miles. And then you have us who are just like, you know, chugging beers. And um, it is a, a vastly different experience, but it is, a, it is a great day. We are all waking up around the same time because the Boston Marathon, I started running this past year at 1025. But I had to be on the bus from the Boston Common at 7. 
25. And for those of you who don't know, the Boston Marathon is a point-to-point course. So you start 26.2 miles away from Boston in a little town called Hopkinton, and you run straight into Boston. So that morning as Eddie is cracking open his first beer, I am, you know, having a Gatorade, having water. Um, I've probably cried about three times because I'm so nervous. I'm getting on this bus. Everyone is full of jitters. Everyone has to pee a million times. And we check down 26.2 miles as Eddie and his buddies are in jerseys. But we love it. We want you guys all liquored up for when we get to that point. Um, it's, it's, it's just it's it's an incredible achievement. And it's like it's really funny that we, like we roll out of bed, don't do really much of anything but yell drunkenly. And you guys are, are the real the heroes of that day. Uh, it's 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 incredible. I don't know how you did it. I don't know how you ran that those many miles like in my best cardio days i could probably get anywhere from like three to five um and i'm feeling pretty good about myself and it's like a lot takes a lot out of you but to run that much i mean like i know you were saying uh with sal a couple days ago like the beginning the beginning part of your running uh journey there in boston was totally fine it was near the end of it but like i just feel like i would hit mile like three i'd be like i'm done with this like i'm tired of music i'm tired of podcasts i'm tired of running near these like other smelly uh sweaty people and i just want to i just want to get out of there so i i really it is it is an incredible this week in terms of achievements for the megans between one having a child and and you completing (laughs) that it's it is unbelievable so two things that i cannot fathom it is a big week for the Megans. Well, uh, my Boston Marathon experience, this was my fourth time doing it, and I will do it again, but I think I'm going to take a, a little break from Boston Marathons because the Boston Marathon is a freaking beast. And I've been running since I was eight. I will keep this short because I know people get very, very checked out as soon as people talk about distance running. But I've uh, been running since I was eight, decided to do marathons after college, did Boston, ended up in the hospital for five days, and then really wanted to get back at Boston and just prove myself on this course. So I did PR on Monday. I ran a 3.06.30. I wanted to break three hours. And I think Harry, our friend Harry from Against All Odds, put a curse on me. And he guessed that I would run three hours and six minutes. And God damn it, Harry, I ran three hours, six minutes in 30 seconds when I wanted to break three. And Eddie, I think this is something that could potentially be talked about. I mean, we had, you know, the Black Sox scandal with the White Sox. They didn't win a World Series for 88 years. You had the Cubs and their scandal, and they didn't win a World Series for over 100 years. You had the Red Sox and the curse of the great Bambino. They didn't win a World Series for 86 years. I might not break three hours for 80-something years all because of Harry and this curse that he put on me. Harry, you know, his bets lately uh, may have not been going so well, but he he had a hit one. Unfortunately, it was the, the bet uh, against you running this thing. But I will say maybe you should just skip running the Boston Marathon and then just take a, a page out of my book and then just do the marathon Monday the way that like all the college kids do it, where you just show up there, but just knock on like a random dorm, you know, dorm room or a, a frat house door. Be like, hey, like I used to run the marathon. Now I'm just here to do the kegs and eggs and drink and watch the other people run. That's that's I- your next step. I do think I'm going to do a beer mile. So I run with a group here in Orlando and my coach said that when I'm done doing the marathon, I can do a beer mile. I've never done one before, but I think, I think I might be able to do a beer mile in sub seven. Maybe I just um, am a little too cocky about that. And I'm underestimating the fact that I'm going to puke. And I guess if you puke, you have to run another lap. I guess that's like the rules with the beer mm-hmm. mile, beer mile. But I think in the next month or so, I'm going to do a beer mile. So I will keep, Everybody posted with that. Thank you all for supporting me through the marathon. It really meant the world. Um, people were tracking me, which 
is awesome. And I felt all of your support out there. And I'm not just saying that, like, seriously, I did, because there were moments where I, I wanted to quit because running is not always fun. It's almost never fun. And the last six miles, man, it was, it was tough. So thank you all for supporting me, Eddie, Sal, the whole crew at extra points, but everyone except Harry, 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 fuck you. Um, okay. (laughs) That was talking Boston marathon. Um, you know, the NFL season is a long way away, but they always find a way to stay in the news. Especially today, we had breaking news that Debo Samuel requests a trade. He wants out of San Francisco. This is shocking to us that it comes before Jimmy Garoppolo is leaving San Francisco. There are rumors that he could be headed to the New York Jets. I want him headed to New England. I'm sure, Eddie, you wouldn't say no if he went to the Giants. What do you make of Debo Samuel? Definitely wouldn't uh, be the worst thing if he went to the Giants, especially with Kadarius Tony not wanting to show up to the uh, the optional um, offseason workouts here. But I do think the Jets make so much sense in this scenario. If he is being traded, uh, I, I guess, you know, he rec- first said he's going to skip out the workouts because he wanted a new contract. Now it's a full-blown request, uh, which is odd because the Niners are obviously they're a great team. They always seem to exceed expectations. I mean, really, the only reason why they don't make the playoffs every year is if they have like the injury bug, which happened uh, two seasons ago. But really, Really a great coach, great uh, GM front office. So it's strange that he wants to go, but it has been a strange offseason for the Niners because, like, why do they still have Jimmy G? And, like, why do they still have uh, Trey Lance, who's like may not even start? They wasted a very, very high pick on him. Why are they still linked kind of to Tom Brady? Why are they kind of linked to Deshaun Watson? A lot of question marks going on there. But, like I said uh, a bit ago, I think the Jets do make a lot of sense because the Niners don't have a first round pick. So, what they could do is treat the Jets have four and 10. Uh, I probably won't get over the four for them, but they would probably give up the 10. So the Jets trade the 10th pick and whatever else for Debo Samuel. And now the Jets have another piece when they already have a, they have an okay kind of, you know, offensive talent there, there like with uh, Elijah Moore, a lot of people are high on. And I think Zach Wilson and uh, year two will take the next step, but you had a guy like Debo, who's a hybrid running back, a high, you know, receiver. It changes uh, your just, offense. It makes your offense way more dynamic. It's a way different thing. And we always see, you know, the Bengals just did it recently, but every year there's a team that's in last play or kind of a seller dweller that finds their way to, to skyrocket and become the next hot team in the league. And I said this on minus three a few weeks ago, and I was like, I just still feel like the way that Salah and they're kind of building this in Joe Douglas, they're building this Jets team. I would not be shocked if they go and get a piece like Debo Samuel plus the fourth pick if the Jets are like a legitimate good team uh, this oh, season. So I think I, I think that's a really good move for, for both parties, for the Niners and to get the 10th pick and for the Jets. I think it's a great move. Well, you bring up a good point with the Niners too, because not only did they wait, maybe potentially waste a pick to go get Trey Lance, but they gave up a lot to get that oh, pick yeah. to get Trey Lance, including that first round pick. So they could potentially get that back now that Debo wants out. But then you wonder like, who is starting quarterback? Do they believe in Trey Lance? Is Jimmy G going to be there? Why does Tom Brady's name keep getting floated around literally everywhere? He's floated around in Miami. He's floated around in 49ers. I mean, that's a whole different story that we don't have to get into today. I hope he doesn't go to the Jets because uh, that's not good for my Patriots who have no wide receivers. And I'm terrified that they will draft one because they will mess it up just like they messed up Nikhil Harry. So just sign Debo. Sign Sign Debo. He can give that you that hybrid combination that Bill Belichick loves. And then we don't have to worry on drafting another bust like Nikhil Harry. So that's my thought on Debo Samuel and the Patriots. To make you feel better about the Pats, I do think this draft class in terms of the skill position, maybe not 
some people aren't sold in the quarterbacks, uh, running backs. You may not even have a first rounder, but I think with the receivers, I mean, uh, I, I was wrong on Nikhil Harry because I love Nikhil Harry. I watch a lot of uh, Arizona State games, but I feel like this this draft class with the receivers, there's so many good guys. So I feel like even if the Pats don't get in on the Debo Samuel, I, I feel like if they just, it's like throw a dart at the board and you're going to be fine with one of the receivers. But, well, but Eddie, uh, that was Nikhil Harry's draft class, and there was one dart that didn't hit, and that dart was Nikhil Harry, and that happened to be the pick that the Patriots made. They've had a terrible track record of drafting wide receivers, so I'm not sold. Bringing up the draft, I feel like this is one of the more boring drafts in recent memory, and maybe that's just because we're all obsessed with quarterbacks and skill position players. But I'm not really feeling hype for this draft, and it's under two weeks away. I was just saying this uh, to to Dave uh, a little bit ago, and like I think Matt Miller, who works for ESPN now, a big draft guy, wrote uh, on Twitter. He's like, I've been doing this for my entire career. And he's like, this has been the hardest year to mock uh, a draft. And I, I like, like I just said, is it because of the lack of high end quarterbacks? Who knows? But again, every single year that people say this is always a quarterback who is who shines. Like there was no hype around Josh Allen. There was no hype around Patrick Mahomes and every year. And the guys that had the hype are unfortunately like a Baker Mayfield or a Sam Darnold or et cetera. So I, I feel like one of these quarterbacks, at least one will shine. Um, I, and I think that, you know, it's boring because there's a lot of O-linemen, a lot of D-linemen, but those are how good teams are made uh, foundationally. And I, I think with the the receiving core, like I was saying, this is pretty good in this draft. So I guess you could say it's slightly boring at the flashy players, but I think there are a lot of solid players that are, that are good to um, build your team from the, you know, inward out uh, in, the, in the trenches. So I, I think it's going to, I think we'll get shocked too. My prediction is the Lions take a quarterback at two, and I'm guessing Malik, Malik Willis. Oh, that brings us to our next point with the quarterbacks, and then, then that's breaking news. I mean, if the Lions go take a quarterback that early, I think that would shock the draft, and there'd be a lot more interest in it. So Malik Willis and Kenny Pickett are um, the two top quarterbacks that yeah. could go in this year's draft. And the over-under on their draft spot, Malik Willis is 9.5, and, and Kenny Pickett is 10.5. So you like the under on this bet. I do. I like the under, uh, not only because of the Lions, but because you have the Panthers and you have other teams that are further back that may want to move up, like LeapFrog, like the Steelers come to mind. Um, yep. You know, the Saints. Panthers. Too. So I think, especially, yeah, especially the, the Ben the McAdoo comments, but with, with the Lions at two, it's the thing where how do you prolong your, your life in the NFL if you're a Dan Campbell and whoever's in the front office is you attach yourself to a quarterback. You know, Jared Goff, and I was a guy that – did believe in him. I thought he would be a serviceable kind of a serviceable option. Obviously, losing a Super Bowl. If he won that Super Bowl, people will view him differently. But he's not the guy. Like he doesn't. No. He didn't want to be in Detroit. Uh, and I, I don't think that Detroit is going to stick with him as their future. They made a couple. You know, they drafted pretty well recently. They have a lot of uh, foundational players in the interior. So I think that they have to eventually get the guy to be the, the face of the franchise. And when you have a number two pick, people say it's easy. Oh, you know, next year's the better year for quarterbacks. Go get Bryce Young. Well. You're not going to always be in the top three to get a, a quarterback. Well, and even if you are, look at what, what Cleveland's dealing with Baker Mayfield right now. Right. I mean, they picked him number one overall, and you think this is our guy, the face of the franchise. Now, I'm a little less harsh on Jared Goff than you are. I think Jared Goff and a Jimmy Garoppolo, a Kirk Cousins, same, 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 all to me. So I'm not that out on Jared Goff. Do sure. I think he's the face of a franchise? No, but I think he's a, he's a solid bridge guy. So if the Lions really do believe in Kenny Pickett or Malik Willis, it's not a bad thing to, you know, take a, take him a pick on him. But I don't know, to me, I almost feel like 
it would be equivalent to taking a flyer on a quarterback. I mean, they may pan out, but there's the fact that nine and a half, 10 and a half is where they're kind of slotted projected to go. Hey, look, Tom Brady, fourth rounder, but it's not, it's not, that doesn't happen very often. Usually those top quarterbacks are, are early on. And yeah, there's a lot of busts. It's a, it's a coin toss, but it, it, yeah, I'm not it's, so sure. It's a mixture of a lot of the smoke screens. A lot of the teams, at the early part of the draft don't really need a quarterback. But like I was saying before with like Campbell extending his career, it's like the best way to do it is by drafting a quarterback. If you go, you know, you have four wins with Jared Goff again. What does that really do do for you? Nothing. You want to see progress. And at least if you stink it up this year, which I, by all accounts, the line should be pretty mediocre, is at least you have Malik Willis or Kenny Pickett. My, I think they probably take Willis. And then you have – you can be like, okay, well, it was a learning year. And then all of a sudden now Dan Campbell definitely has that third year locked in, and you're going to feel better about it. Like, oh, we have the young gun. He's going to, you, you want to face the French. When was the last time the Lions, like, had somebody you were excited over? It's probably, what, Calvin Johnson? Even when Matt Stafford was there, it was like, oh, no, the – year staffer will throw for you know four or five thousand yards but they're not gonna make the playoffs so it's like you didn't mm-hmm. have that buzz there was no excitement you need a new face you go and draft Malik Willis at two plus you have the other first rounders you could still get a player an impact player that will play this year and you're not asking Malik Willis to step in and play which is also a good thing too because now Aaron Rodgers I know has a three-year deal but he is getting older the division may be a little bit easier people don't really love Kirk Cousins so the Bears are still dealing with their issues with Justin Fields who's very young was pretty mediocre last year too so you go and draft Malik Willis at two pick another play in your first round you have Penny Sewell the left tackle you have some good pieces there on defense and I, I think that that's the way to go in this draft and yeah it's bold, it's, it's bold uh, but the Hutchinson the, pick the, is fun but it, it's a homegrown kid but I don't I don't think it's it's a necessarily a need right now they need a quarterback it's bold I mean you don't get long in the NFL to prove yourself and this is year two right. of Dan Campbell so hey I'd love it because the Lions are going to be on hard knocks and there'd be nothing more exciting yeah than Dan yeah, Campbell right. You know, taking a quarterback number two, we get Malik Willis. So nine and a half is the draft spot number for Malik Willis. Eddie Spaghetti is taking the under. He might have just talked me into it. I think I might take the under as well. But you did bring up something in your your rant that I want to talk about. And it's Sam Darnold with the Carolina Panthers. Poor Sam Darnold. This guy, I mean, he was a darling coming out of USC. Goes number two to the Jets. Just a terrible situation. And we all wanted to believe that Sam Darnold's better days were ahead of him with the Carolina Panthers. Unfortunately, this the way this season unfolded. Um, it's not looking too good for Sam Darnold. And Ben McAdoo met the media the other day, and he slipped up a little bit. This is one of my favorite things because, um, you know, I love when coaches and general managers blame the media for their mistakes. And this is exactly what Ben McAdoo did. So he was asked if Sam Darnold is the Panthers starting quarterback and Ben McAdoo answers the question. And then he turns it around on the media and is like, wait, this is your fault because you made me say this, even though he decided to say everything that came out of his mouth. Eddie, we're going to play the clip right now. And do you look at Sam as your starting quarterback? Sam is our starting quarterback. Yes. One minute, 37 seconds later. You know, one of the things I've been working on is being better talking to you people. So you know, announcing the starting quarterback here, I just put my foot in the mouth. So I, that wasn't something I should have said. Oh, my God. All he had to say was we're going to evaluate the position and see how it yeah. goes. Coach speak, yeah. <laughs> All, I mean, really, I know Bill Belichick gets a bad rep for the way he speaks to the media. But because he doesn't say anything, he can't really get in trouble for saying the wrong thing. So Ben McAdoo needs to take a page out of Bill Belichick's book and maybe not declare 
someone the starting quarterback that isn't the starting quarterback and then blame the media for doing it? Uh, look, it's uh, first of all, Ben McAdoo, if he showed like with his time at the Giants that he was unfit to be a head coach. And it seems like he kind of just was lucky to be attached to Aaron Rodgers. Uh, and it's also strange, too, that like the Panthers, everyone was excited about them because they go and hire Matt Rule. They go and hire Joe Brady from LSU, obviously from the uh, Joe Burrow, that team, the championship team uh, fame. And then you go and bring in McAdoo and like now your quarterback, like Sam Darnold is the guy and you have McAdoo, who was like a joke. And it's just like what a bad time for them. And they have you could argue the best, you know, offensive weapon when healthy in football and Christian McCaffrey. And I just feel, feel so bad for that guy being stuck there. So, I mean, yes, you're a hundred percent right, Megan. It should have been like, you know, we have Sam, we're happy with them, but we, you know, we're looking at some guys in the draft. Like you don't even have to go that into detail. You could just be like, yeah, we're going to go through camp and we're going to evaluate and we're going to see what happens. But I mean, the writing's on the wall for Donald. He's a guy that, if you want to give him excuses, you know, obviously with the, the coaching change with the Jets, the lack of weapons, like the whole mono stretch, um, and then, you know, getting shipped out to uh, a team where uh, McCaffrey was injured. So it's just never been a smooth path for him. But you could also argue he's never really shown the flashes of being no, an elite level guy. Um, so I now, you know, there's still rumors of Baker Mayfield. And I think their best option is to just draft a young guy, draft Pickett. If they want to take a local kid, take Sam Howell, who I still like, throws a great deep ball, uh, had an under overwhelming year but I still think it's gonna be okay so yeah McAdoo less words and the Panthers need to change a quarterback speaking of Baker Mayfield he did not show up for the first day of the Browns offseason training program this is a surprise to no one because last week Baker Mayfield made headlines when he was on a podcast basically saying that he is displeased about everything that happened in Cleveland which I don't really blame him he didn't he didn't have the best experience in Cleveland to say the mm-hmm. least he took the team to the playoffs he had four different head coaches and then obviously things didn't end well for Baker Mayfield in Cleveland he's no longer their starting quarterback because they have Deshaun Watson but Deshaun Watson's probably gonna have to sit out a couple games so maybe they do need Baker but Baker wants out of Cleveland you think Carolina but I just saw a rumor on Twitter that he could be headed to Dave Damashek's favorite team, the Pittsburgh Steelers. What do you make of this Baker Mayfield nonsense? Because I thought this podcast, well, I, I'm not completely out on Baker. I don't think that he's a bust completely yet. I think that he kind of um, gives himself a, a few too many pats on the back and gives himself a little bit too much credit especially when you look at the way that teammates think of Baker Mayfield, like OBJ and Baker had beef and OBJ left. And I know he got hurt in the Super Bowl, but he has a Super Bowl ring and Baker Mayfield doesn't. And he's rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. I think this guy's got a really, really big ego. It would definitely shoot Baker to do less commercials, to do less speaking, to make sure that his wife, uh, I believe it's his wife, did not post on social media. Um, All that does not help his cause. I will say that, you know, the obviously having a a big, big name, a big star like Odell Beckham in your locker room and having his dad comment and stuff is never easy as well. Although what I will say about Baker is that I don't, he doesn't strike me as a guy who doesn't care about football, which I think is a great thing. He's clearly a competitive guy. He wants to win. Um, He wants to perform well. And I think that like having a chip on your shoulder now and your, you know, your second go around with a new team is going to be a a different version of him. He doesn't have the physical, you know, tools that maybe other quarterbacks have. He's a smaller guy. Like he is pretty mobile and he dealt all last year with a, with a really 
messed up left shoulder. Um, I think him coming back healthy and, you know, I like the Steelers option more than the Panthers option. I think the Steelers are are obviously, they're always, always have a winning record. They have Tomlin who's been head coach there for, I feel like my entire life. Um, They always just find guys mid rounds in the draft. Like they're just really well oiled machine and putting him there. And yes. And then having the running game they have uh, with Najee and they have a a, a decent uh, weapons, obviously with Chase Claypool and uh, Deontay Johnson, you put him there and like, what is he going to have to beat out Mitch Trubisky and Mason Rudolph? I I think that's fine. I, I think he should do that. And I was just saying about like Darnold, where Darnold never really had the flashes where you're like, this guy is legit. Baker did. Baker, did. Baker legit, legitimately had flashes where you're like, he is really good. He could be a top-level player. And obviously, just things didn't happen that way. If you want to blame, I, I saw a recent thing about like, Kevin Stefanski's system with him was not uh, – They weren't. it wasn't really conducive because it was like a timing-based thing. And obviously, if we watch Baker in college and into the pros, he's a kind of – on the fly, makeshift, you know, kind of street ball. Yeah, he's player. always kind of freelancing. Sure. I mean, and, and I, know I, if think- we had, I know if we had Megan here, she would find a way to feel bad for Baker and she would find a way to, to have sympathy for Baker. Yeah. My whole thing with Baker, and, and there's part of me that feels bad for him. Look, it, he out of options you could get in the NFL and a lot of your success as an NFL quarterback has to do with what team you get drafted to. And I think his situation that he got drafted into – Obviously wasn't very ideal, but my thing with Baker, if he wants to get out of Cleveland, doing this interview does nothing good for you to sign for another team. It only makes you look worse. So I just think that Baker should just be quiet because you already have the sympathy card. But now if you talk about it, people are going to maybe get the wrong idea about who you are. Yeah, and that's a that's another great point too. You said Megan is like that the the situation does matter, and that's the thing that I think in this current age of the NFL with these uh, otherworldly talents like Patrick Mahomes, uh, if you want to throw Josh Allen in there, that's 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 fine too. And the age of social media, where it's like we're forgetting that you know it is a team sport, and you are you have ten other guys with you on offense, and you have to have a good coach in place. Like not every quarterback has to take a bum roster and elevate them. Like they're just not. not not all of them are capable of doing that. And I think as like fans and people who tweet and follow everything, like you just forget that. And like, it's okay if Baker isn't Patrick Mahomes, but also it's like, if you put him in a situation where he could su- succeed, like if Kirk Cousins could do it and other quarterbacks in the league can do it, like I think Baker could do it also. Now, also to your point of like him kind of being a loud mouth and a hothead, it's not a great mix because he does need some help, but like, you know, his best case scenario is to be, you know, my team, the Giants, Dalen Jones, another good example. He's a guy that like needs a good supporting cast, needs a good coach, clearly, because you could see what he did in his rookie year. He was okay. I think Baker, if Baker takes a page out of his book and kind of if Jones is, you know, saying stuff in the media and having his girlfriend tweet stuff, it would be a total disaster. Oh, I yeah, think especially with the New York media. They yeah. would eat him alive. Totally. But I do give it to Baker because if football doesn't work out, he's really good at acting. I think he's fantastic yeah. in the commercials. Um, I think he would need a little rebrand if he was going to do that. And I'm not really sure what, what Baker's brand would be because Insurance. I think like he, yeah, I mean, progressive. is it, is Gronk progressive insurance or what's Gronk? He's the, the, um, the military uh, insurance. Yeah. He, Gronk was trying to steal Valor. Yeah. Oh sure. yeah. Yeah. So he was the military insurance, I guess. Yeah. Baker could be insurance man. Um, he would he he has a future in Hollywood. He definitely has a future in acting, but he might need a little bit of a rebrand mm-hmm. in order to do it if football doesn't work out. But hey Baker, we think football can work out for you. And I'm sure Dave Damashek would love to take you on the Steelers. And maybe if he goes to Carolina, 
his wife and Christian McCaffrey's girlfriend, Olivia Coppola, could be friends. And we would talk about it on the show because we love football wags. And she and Olivia was my classmate at BU, so I, I used to know her. <laughs> Olivia was? Yeah, yeah, for real. Hannah God. She sat next to me in uh, three classes my freshman year. She was uh, quite nice. Wow. Yeah, but I said, Did you know. she always my, show up looking like Miss yes, Universe? Yes, she showed up uh, dressed to the nines. I'd be showing up in like a hockey t-shirt and like Crocs. Wow. And it's like 8 a.m. on a Monday. And she's talking about like the humanities work. And I'm like, are you actually talking to me right now? And you're talking about the work. And she would keep like her grades in the book. Like it sounds creepy, but she sat next to me. So please don't attack me. But, Eddie uh, is stalking no, Olivia. No, not even. It was the opposite. It was like literally run away he was like, stalking you oh man like i remember in like the oh my god does Jaden no, no, know no, no. about no, this no she would never stalk no I, I i said olivia like thanks but no thanks you can you're, you're oh gonna my god i'm joking i would I'm leave joking. my husband for but olivia. no but no i never like i'm like literally was like did not want to be seen like, i remember going downstairs to the vending machine to get like a snack or a drink um like eight o'clock at night and she'd be like going out in the town i'm in like wearing like my pajamas and i was like i would have to like sprint i'm like do not look at my disgusting self while you're going out in the town she's a very uh nice looking lady very very uh nice classmate a very nice person um and uh good for her that she's uh now with uh what i my opinion is the best offensive player in football well, she was with Danny Amendola, so I think this is a, a bit of an upgrade. Yep. Because yeah. although New England loved Danny Amendola and he had a great playoff career, he had a, he had a pretty good NFL career. He did. I mean, he did. He did. We'll he give did. it to Danny Amendola, yeah. but for Olivia Coppola's sake, Christian McCaffrey is a much better business decision. I am always amazed by the women who just look great all the time. Because let me tell you, Fridays I look good, but it's because it takes me like an hour and a half for people to get me looking that way. Like they do the hair, they do the makeup, they do the whole thing. So when I'm not there and I don't have that, my hair is up as it is right now. And I'm wearing a John Morant t-shirt and I'm not looking anywhere near fabulous. So the fact that Olivia showed up to every class looking like Miss universe, I mean, she, she's got it going on. Good for her. Good for yeah, her. It's uh, it, the family's great too. I forgot the name of her dad's restaurant, but oh, ben. But we used to always, um, it's in Austin, and I used to go there a Lulu's. bunch. Lulu's, great spot. I mean, with that family, man, they're knocking out of the park. Wow. Eddie, yeah. you you even know the family? I don't know Damn. the family. I know the All right, the now, you're, now you're trying to walk it I'm back. To Eddie, back. I know. So does she bad. follow you on social media? We're Facebook friends, yeah. <gasps> wow. Yeah, not to brag. Does but, she listen to the show? Uh, hopefully. Okay, Olivia, yeah. we're we're big fans over here. And I know that you got Christian McCaffrey and Eddie's got a pretty Jada, but you never know. Thing life gets crazy. So just you never you never know. And hey, you know, I, I have a husband, but Olivia, you know. Um anyways, we're gonna move on here and take a quick break before we get into our NBA talk. All right, we are back. We're going to talk a little NBA before we kick it to our interview with Amina Smith. And I just have to ask you all to please forgive me. I am doing this podcast while I am moving. So the interview with Amina is a little echoey because I was in an empty room. So I'm really sorry about it, but she's awesome. You should follow her everywhere. She knows her stuff. She's really cool. She works at NBC Sports Boston. And she's got your preview for tonight's game and a little bit extra on what you should look for as the Celtics continue their playoff journey, we will call it. All right, NBA playoffs are back. 
Eddie, I love the NBA playoffs. I know you're not an NBA guy, you're a hockey guy, but you can't not be excited about this time of the year, especially when you have the performances that we saw like last night with Jimmy Butler, John Morant's going crazy. We had the buzzer beater game with the Celtics and the Nets. What do you think of these playoffs so far? Well, uh, I got to start to a sour, uh, got it off to a sour note last night with the uh, against all odds guys doing the race to ten with the uh, the Hawks Heat. That was a that was a bit of a bummer, and um, you know, obviously excited to hear what Amina has to say about the Nets Celtics. And I want to go and say this about this series is tonight, like the game, the Nets Celtics game two, like this is the must win game for the Nets because if they lose and they go down 0-2 coming back to Brooklyn, it's just like all the Celtics have to do is just take one there, and this this series is over and. I'm going to come out and say that, number one, Kyrie having the chip on his shoulder, having this edge is actually a good thing. It kind of reminds me of the uh, the old days of the NBA when back in even like the 90s when the players were not friends. Uh, I love know, it. I'm, I'm a Knicks fan. Obviously, I'm used to like the Anthony Mason, Charles Oakley, those like really tough guys. And I, I think that having Kyrie, you know, ha- basically having bad blood with the city of Boston, I think is a great thing. And you're not going to see uh, a Kevin Durant performance like that. So I know his number right now, I think, is around 30 and a half points um yeah it is 30 and a half right now like i would take the over on kd i wow. think you know i think he knows that this game it, it means too much if they take one in boston they come back to brooklyn it's a way different mindset plus the other wild card is like uh, you know steve nash said that if ben simmons comes back uh i mean he said it's up to ben simmons to come back and he's clear oh, cool. oh, and, yeah, I, and he's i'm not clear. i'm not saying that simmons is going to come in and he's going to be what he was in the early days of, of the sixers where he's you know dishing the ball out but he is a huge guy, and if he could be a good defender like he's known to be and you put him on Tatum, it changes the entire series. So I, I'm still riding high in the Nets. I think um, they're, it's a must-win game. They're going to win this game. KD will be back. And if you, they get Ben Simmons to return in, in Brooklyn, which is what my guess would be that he wants to come back when they're home, uh, I think the series takes a massive swing. I don't care about Ben Simmons at all, but – and I, I don't even know what his impact would be. I know he's, a, he's better on the defensive end of the floor, but – and they do need the defense because they're going against this the Celtics team that they, they have a lot of options. I think the Nets luck out that they're not facing a Celtics team with Time Lord, with Robert Williams. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I agree with you. And I do kind of think that the Celtics, my husband's out there, so I have to whisper it, but I think the Celtics might have stole one at home because the way that fourth quarter was going, I mean, Kyrie was on fire. And Jason Tatum did nothing in the fourth quarter until he hit that buzzer beater. And I kept saying, where's Tatum? Where's Tatum? This is where your superstar needs to take over the game. And I know we have 30 points and I'm not taking anything away from him because he hit the buzzer beater. If he doesn't hit that buzzer beater, what we're talking about is how Jason Tatum did nothing in the fourth quarter. So I think this is really time for the Celtics to step up. If they don't win that game, I think it goes south really, really quick. So they got very lucky that Marcus Smart passed the ball to Tatum and Tatum, you know, was able to able to make the easy layup. But this Brooklyn team is scary. And that's why no one wanted to play them. Everyone was trying to go play Chicago. Obviously Milwaukee's playing Chicago. I do think the Celtics are a better team, but when you have Kevin Durant on your team, it's just, you can beat almost anyone. Um, I would like to see more KD in Giannis uh, instead of the Celtics against Giannis, but I um, am contractually obligated by marriage to root for the Celtics. So that is what I will be doing for the sake of my marriage. Um, I am really excited to see the way that um, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum play together because that's been the story since the two of them have been in Boston, that they can't 
find a way to make things happen together. But now's Now's their chance. No better time than now to step up for the Celtics team. But another unbelievable series we have is my guy, John Morant, going up against the Timberwolves. And I think this is going to be a seven-game series. The first game, if you watched it, was a lot closer than the final score indicated. Last night was so much fun. Jaw is just much-watched television. And then you have um, Anthony Edwards, and then you have Carl Anthony Towns on the Timberwolves. And Minnesota is really fun right now. I know they get a lot of hate because they have Pat Beverly and he over-celebrates. But listen, if you live in Minnesota, you haven't had success in, um, man, it's been probably since the 90s, early 2000s for Minnesota. So, So yeah, they can celebrate all they want. I'm excited about this series. And plus, I love John Morant's dad. I love John Morant's daughter. I love John Morant to watch him as a player, but man, when they show this, the, the shots of his dad, he is fine. I know if Megan were here, she would talk about how fine he is too, but Eddie, you can agree. That's a good looking man. Oh yeah, it is. And I mean, and uh, you know, Hench has been big on the Grizzlies and how many guys they've had like missing and just kind of picked up whoever, and they still find a way to win games and not only win games, but score points. I mean, they, what they score 124 uh, versus game. It's a, it's a tough series. I almost feel bad in a sense. Cause I'm not sure if I really could envision either one of these teams making it out of the West. Um, I am glad it's going to, it seems like the series could go seven, which I feel like most of these series in the first round will not because they're all pretty lopsided, but this is definitely a, a fun series. And uh, I, I, at first I was kind of rooting for my guy, A-Rod, his team, but uh, you do make a convincing point to start rooting for the uh, the Grizzlies. And it's always good for the NBA to uh, have another star. I mean, you know, they're always, they're the best at league at creating stars and having someone like Ja who has the star power to, uh, to win this series in advance would be great. Speaking of your guy, A-Rod, he sat courtside with his new woman at the Timberwolves game. It's the first time that he was spotted with his new woman since J-Lo and Ben Affleck got engaged. This seems like a quick turnaround. But then again, these people are millionaires and it is sort of Hollywood. Eddie, as an A-Rod guy, what do you make of this? Are you just happy to see him moving along with his life? We were getting worried for a while. It looked like he was putting on a couple pounds. Uh, A-Rod, I mean, I think it clearly was, you know, once the J-Lo, uh, Ben Affleck thing went public, he's like, well, I need to do something. And A-Rod, you know, has his, his type of women and he, uh, I guess he found one and, uh, he felt strong enough to get her a courtside. So what do you think the process is like? A-Rod's like, oh, they're engaged. I got to find a woman now. Like he's, he's, is there like an app for people of A-Rod's stature where they can just, you know, type in their their type and, and, and put them courtside where all the cameras can see? Uh, if I had a guess, I'm assuming A-Rod has guys. He has people who just are like, A-Rod wants to meet you for dinner. And then, uh, he, you know, she agreed. I'm not saying that their thing just started the week of, but I, I'm 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 guessing it's probably fairly recent. And he, obviously, what's the better time to to show off your uh, your new partner uh, than the way with the team you own, you know, hosting playoff games? So bring them out to uh, the courtside seats. It's like, hey, hey, baby, you want to come to Minnesota? Yeah. Like that, that's usually the line that gets him there, right? Well, wasn't wasn't she wasn't she at the Clippers? It wasn't at the play-in game at Crypto, so it was in LA. So she was oh, like, oh, much uh, easier. The women in LA. Like, 
are much better looking than the women of Minnesota. Sorry, Minnesota women. I don't even know where, where she's from, but he was just like, hey, you want to come to the minute? Like, we can go to Minneapolis. And she's like, oh, no, I'm busy. But, oh, okay. Well, actually, we have a game. You can come courtside at the Crypto.com Arena in LA. She's like, oh, yeah, I'm there. He's like, suddenly I'm free. But, uh, you know, like, A-Rod's a family man. He's always with his kids. Uh, he's making this Timberwolves team fun to watch. And they're obviously in the playoffs, so he's doing something right. And, uh, you know, he's still doing his, his MLB stuff. I, I'm an A-Rod guy through and through. Like, he gets a lot of hate, but I like A-Rod. I don't dislike A-Rod. I also am a big J-Lo fan, so it, it's tough for me to see them apart. Um, all right. People in the NBA are going crazy, specifically women in the NBA. A woman tried to glue herself to the court at the Timberwolves game, and then another woman tried to chain herself to the basket during a game. I told Megan Gailey that she should go to a game and one up all of them and go into labor on the court because that would just really put this over the edge. Um, what do you think about these, these, uh, these weirdos? Uh, I mean, what I don't get, like they must have not thought this through because let's start with the glue lady. Like number one, the glue is only going to like negatively affect you. Like you have to put glue on your skin. Have you ever super glued your hands, like your fingers together on accident? It's painful. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I guess I, I like, I don't know what they were using the Elmer's glue stick or something and then just high fiving the hardwood, but like, that's not gonna, that's not gonna like, it, it's only going to rip your skin off and then you look like an idiot. So you're not even getting your point across. And the other thing, the other one with the chains, it's like, how difficult is that to, how do you change? Like, I wouldn't even know how to properly chain myself to the thing. Like you have to just do something so simple to get your message across. And that either that's some, you know, either I think Martin said this uh, a few days ago and it's actually a good point is, you know, we've seen all these like streakers and, and people on on like the field and they run out there and like you kind of see what their messages, whatever, I'm not saying to streak, but like interact on the actual like the court where the people, the players are playing. And uh, I, I think that's the move because like NBA players aren't going to tackle you. And especially if you're a woman, most, more than likely the security guards will be a little bit um, easier than they would on a, on a man. So it's like you run out of the court, you hold your shirt that says you hate Glentel or whatever it is, save the chickens. And then at least, uh, you know, your, your, your message is getting across and you're not ripping skin off your hand or somehow tying yourself to a, the, the stanchion. Well, I just think, you know, men, the easy option is let's streak on the field, but then you're banned for life. You get tackled by the security guards, et cetera, et cetera. I don't know if either of these women are going to be banned for life. I think that there would be more sensitivity and they'd be like, oh, she's really going through a lot. She just has a lot going on. And I'm not saying that's right or wrong, but I just, I don't think these women are going to be banned. I think that they could come back. And as I mentioned before, I think John Morant's dad is really hot. I also love John Morant's daughter and John Morant, my last name, my fake last name is Morant. I think I should run onto the court to align with all these crazy women and just start telling people that John Morant is my son. I mean, uh, it's just, I, I still can't get, I don't even know this is an issue with their owner, the, the Wolves owner, but like now that I'm thinking of it, another funny one, they should have went to the game together, went to the team store, bought a basketball, and then they should have just played in the court. That's yeah. That's, that's the, the glue is, is, is the question. Like you had to glue yourself, but I mean, how did you get the glue in? Women can't even bring purses in. They have to be the right. clear purses. Yeah. how did you get a so, chain in? Yeah, I think like, I some know. security guard is getting fired in Minnesota because of this. Yeah. Um, all right, let's send it over to our interview with 
Amina Smith, and she's going to talk to us about all things Celtics. All right, everyone, let's welcome her on. She is new to the Boston area, but she is from Brooklyn. Amina Smith. Amina, how you doing? It's a big week in Boston. you got a big night tonight. we got Celtics, Nets. It's the playoffs coming off of just an unbelievable finish. Jason Tatum at the buzzer. How you doing? I'm doing good. I'm still trying to take in all that happened in that game one. I'm still recovering from game one. I'm excited to see kind of what happens in game two. But um, but yeah, everybody's super excited and uh, ready to see what happens later on tonight. Now, are you conflicted at all? I know you're from Brooklyn, but now you work <laughs> in Boston. Do you have a rooting interest in this game? You know what? So I've been here about a little bit over a year now, and I will say that I am getting rooted interest in the Celtics. And it's weird because, of course, I'm from New York. I grew up a Knicks fan. And so coming into Boston is like coming into enemy territory. But, you know, me working with the team and just covering them night in and night out during the regular season, I have developed a genuine interest for this team. And I know it's tough to say (laughs) the inner Knicks fan in me is just like, I know my friends are probably going to listen to this they're going to be like oh my god I cannot believe that she's saying this but working alongside this team and covering them you you really start to get attached to the storylines and and you want to see them succeed wow this this is controversial you have your Knicks colors on and suddenly you're switching (laughs) over to the green team and a lot of people hate Celtics fans but you've had a different experience and Celtics fans they hate Kyrie Irving how legitimate Mm -hmm. is this hate You know what? I I was actually talking to somebody yesterday about the whole Kyrie Irving situation. And I think me as an outsider still getting used to Boston and the fans uh, here in Boston, I'm still trying to figure out like why it's such a huge deal. And honestly, like Kevin Durant, I think yesterday he said it on ESPN. um, He kind of bottled it up really, you know, eloquently. He talked about the fact that, you know, fans in Boston, they once loved Kyrie Irving. They once cheered for Kyrie Irving. They once bought merchandise supporting Kyrie Irving and then once a player like Kyrie leaves after saying that you know I would stay here if you would have me and leaves them it's almost like you break trust you break loyalty people have emotional ties to that and I think that Kevin Durant really bottled that up perfectly because I've been trying to figure it out I'm like why do people hate Kyrie Irving so much I'm like I understand that yes like he was here and you know he said that he was going to stay in Boston and then decided to leave but players leave teams all the time around the NBA but like I said Kevin Durant really just bottled it up eloquently perfectly when you talk about those emotional ties that fans have to Kyrie Irving here in Boston well I get it because I am a Patriots fan And I once loved Tom Brady, and then he left me, and he talked about how great Tampa is and how (laughs) terrible New England was. And a lot of Patriots fans hate me because I decided to hate Brady, but it's okay for them to hate Kyrie Irving. I actually live and I'm married to a Kyrie Irving hater and a Celtics fan, so I I hear a lot all about this, and I get it. It's not so much about the stomping on the logo. It's not so much about the double birds behind the head. It's about how he came to Boston. The expectations were Mm -hmm. a championship. They pretty much got him for nothing. They had Tatum, Brown, Irving, and they walked away worse at the Mm -hmm. end of the trade. So this one seems 
personal. Are you concerned? Oh, I mean, there's a lot to be made. It's like, I saw this headline today. We are a gambling network here at Extra Points. Mm-hmm. We all gamble on things. And I saw this headline today. Adrian Wojnarowski, Woj, she's the newsbreaker. We all know Woj. He's very concerned for player safety with this gambling. And he pointed out Kyrie Irving. Now, I'm gambling on the game. I'm taking Marcus Smart over in rebounds, and I'm taking Marcus Smart over in assists because after he won Defensive Player of the Year, I'm all in on Marcus. Mm-hmm. Show maturity in the last game by passing the ball off to Jason Tatum. What do you think of Boston fans and, and the way they're gambling? Are you concerned about their safety at all? And I'm being sort of sarcastic when I say that. Yeah, I, I, I could tell the, the sarcasm <laughs> in your voice. Um, I, I don't know if I'm concerned for safety at all in terms of, you know, fans being inside a TD Garden and the reaction to Kyrie Irving. It's almost like you know, we're watching a story unfold where you have a villain that is Kyrie Irving coming into TD Garden and you have him going back and forth with the fans. And in some ways, I know Kyrie probably won't admit it. I think he kind of likes it. Oh, he definitely likes it. I think he kind of likes coming to Boston and being the villain and coming inside of TD Garden, hearing those boos rain down every single time he touches the ball. And then for him, the gratification of going and dropping 39 points, the fact that he can go and have his way out there on the court. I think that's what it is for Kyrie Irving, knowing that he's a villain here in this city, but also knowing that he has the full capability of going out there and dropping 30, 40 points out there on the court. So what do you think? The Celtics win this in six? Do you think the Nets win tonight? What's your prediction? It's it's going to be tough. I got the Celtics winning this series in seven. I think they're the better, well-rounded team. I think Brooklyn just doesn't have the defense to keep up uh, with the Celtics. I think tonight it'll be a tough one. I think KD is not going to come back going nine of 24 from the field like how he did in game one. He's going to come back with a vengeance. And that's the scary thing is that we know that Kevin Durant on any given night can drop a 40 or 50 piece out there on the court. So um, I would say tonight, I still, I'm still going to give it to the Celtics. Again, I lean on the fact that their defense is superior all throughout the NBA. And I think that you can't, you can't get through a series. You can't get through the playoffs without having defense. And even if you have Kyrie Irving drop 40 and you have uh, Kevin Durant drop 40, that's only 80 points. That's only 80 points. You can't win a game in the playoffs with only 80 points. So if they don't have that third player to step up and drop 30 or 40, then they're kind of like, they just have nothing to, to, to go up against with this Celtics team. So I'll take the Celtics tonight and Celtics winning this series in seven. Well, no, I mean, you hit the nail on the head when you said defense because this Boston team has had an unbelievable turnaround and it's all been credited to the defense and part of it, Jason Tatum finding his way. I mean, we know that he's a star and we've really got to see him blossom in the second half of the season. But when you look at the Celtics defensively, um, what you're close to this team, you're around them every single week. What was the difference maker when they finally clicked and they started playing defense that turned their season around? I think it was everyone buying into what Ime Udoka kind of came in with the idea of the fact that one, he, the one thing that he pointed out when he first got here was the assists. And I remember him even saying it in the press conference and calling out Brad Stevens, now president of basketball operations. He's like, no offense, but we got to get those numbers up as well. But I think people, the the guys on the team, they were really buying into what Ime Udoka, the groundwork that he laid for this team. I think at the beginning of the season, you know, we talked a lot about chemistry and whether or not all these guys were on the same page there were a lot of like meetings there was a lot of Marcus Smart and the media calling out Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and I say quote unquote calling out because if you ask Marcus Smart he will say it's not calling out but you know to each his own but um, I think a lot of those things came into play when you talk about this team turning around and then once January hit 
it was almost like a light flip, a light switch flip. And this team realized that, okay, well, we have all the pieces and we have all the things that we need, all the ingredients to be a great team in the NBA. And it was like everyone bought into it. And now we're seeing the results of that. So what do you think of the rivalry between Deuce Tatum and Marcus Smart? Is that going to play a role? Is Deuce going to have any shenanigans? I know he was pulling Marcus Smart's shorts on the sideline as Smart was trying to inbound a pass. Is Deuce going to interfere with the playoffs at all for the Celtics? Whew, I don't know if Deuce is going to be interfering with the playoffs at all. I think it's a it's a very serious time here in Boston. Uh, we know that Deuce is a superstar, not only in Boston, all throughout the NBA, and especially inside of TD Garden. But this feud, this love-hate feud between Marcus Smart and Deuce Tatum, it's must-see TV. So it's if not you're getting looking, enough coverage. It's, it's not getting enough coverage. Honestly, I'm going to speak to some of our producers and see if we get some more content on the timeline of Deuce Tatum and Marcus Smart going at it. But I think Marcus Smart is going to be locked in for this first round of the playoffs and hopefully uh, Deuce isn't pulling on his shorts on the sideline. Well, I think that you really need to talk to your producers because after last night, John Morant, my favorite player, um, his daughter, Kari, she completely stole the show. So I think Deuce has his work cut out for him because the spotlight is going to be completely taken from him by Kari. And listen, Deuce is a cutie. I got... I got all my money on Kari because she's way <laughs> cuter. Did you see her spin in the basketball? I did not see her spin in the basketball, but I have seen Kari pop up on my timeline several times and I will retweet that content. I'm like, to cleanse the timeline, some wholesome content. Let's get these babies on the timeline right now. <laughs> I also have a huge crush on John Morant's father. I think that he is a looker and we have not seen Does he not like Usher? I know exactly like Usher, just like Usher. So my fake TV name is Megan Morant. I named myself after Ja. And I think that I might have to say that Ja might be my kid. I know the math doesn't really check out, but I would be okay saying that, you know, Ja's father and I had had a little one night, you know, why not? He's a great looking guy, all about Ja Morant, all about these NBA playoffs. Now you work with a guy that my producer, Eddie Spaghetti, and I have a little history with. We hate him. So tell us everything that you hate about Brian Scalabrini. Go. I, you know what's crazy is I love working with Scal. People ask love me that too. question. I, I love working with Scal. I mean, he's such a huge personality. He keeps everyone on their toes, especially me. I never know what's going to come out of his mouth on live TV, but I just I just roll with it. But he makes coming to work absolutely a joy. Just so much fun, night in and night out. I just, I know what to expect and to expect the unexpected. The the most chaotic thing ever that could happen is what I expect every time I come into work. (laughs) Do you have any funny scale stories that you want to share with the audience? I'm sure we have a lot of white Mamba fans out there. Oh yeah, absolutely. I will say this. So Scal in his mind, although he is our analyst, he also thinks that he's not only the host, but also the producer. So he likes to come in when we do the post game shows. He likes to hurricane into the studio. I could always see him out the side of my eye. He is running into the studio. He's like doing like some type of drills and workouts. I'm like, I don't know what he's getting ready for. I guess he's getting ready for our post game show. And he will slide in with our, like with our chairs that have wheels on them at the bottom. And he's ready to go. He's like, okay, Like, I'm going to do this. I want to talk about this. I'm like, okay, well, I guess I will throw out the complete rundown because 
clearly Scal has come up with his own rundown that we're going to go into. It's it's so funny. If you watch the post-game shows, you will absolutely notice when Scal takes over the show and I have to like rein him back in. But for me, it's always just his presence in the studio doing the drills on the side. And I can see him at the side of my eye. I'm trying to be serious on TV and I see him doing completely utter chaotic things on the side before he comes into the show. So I could go on and on about Scal, but, uh, but definitely a joy to work with. Oh, he's the best, but you got to tell him. He also, he thinks he's the host. He thinks he's the producer and he thinks yeah. he's still on the team because he always oh, yeah. says we, <laughs> and it just cracks me up because Scal is a competitor. He's out there working out every morning and people give him shit, but he can still ball. Oh yeah. Yeah. I told Scal, we were actually talking during the pregame show uh, in game one and he was talking about how he does pick up games with Bruce Brown and he made the joke and he said, look, I can prepare you for a lot of things, but I can't prepare you to guard Jason Tatum. And then he was asking me, he's like, yeah, we got to get you on the rec center as well. Get you to do some, uh, some one-on-ones. I'm like, you don't want to see me do any one-on-ones. I ran track and there's a reason why I ran track. (laughs) You ran track. What events did you do? I ran the eighth, the mile in cross country at University of South Carolina. Yeah, all the the long stuff that no one wants to do. So I did 5K, 10K. So people were at least mildly interested in yours. Mine, they go get snacks, which I totally understand and respect. Um, Amina, are you, I don't know if you can bet. I don't know if that's legal or not, but just pretend like you're betting on this game. What bet are you taking? Ooh, uh, uh, well, I like the Marcus Smart bet about the over on assists. He's averaging about six assists per game so far during the regular season. I think that's a that's one of his strong points. I think he'll go over on assists. It'll be a Marcus Smart type of night in terms of him being a, a floor general out there. Here we go. I just want to get the numbers so we have it. Marcus Smart, six and a half for assists. I like the over on that. I like the, yeah, I I like the over on Marcus Smart for six and a half assists. I'll take the over on that one. Like I said, Marcus Smart, he's really embraced this point guard position and he's trying to be a floor general out there. Is Time Lord coming back? Ooh, I hope so. Fingers crossed. Honestly, like the most optimistic report I've seen is that, you know, he could come back late in the first round. I don't know if I really want him to come back in the first round, just coming back too soon from surgery. I know he's probably itching to come back. I'd rather see him in the second round, well-rested, going up against a Bucks team that the Celtics will really need him against. Okay, how far do you think the Celtics can take it? Is this a championship caliber team? I think that there's potential for this to be a championship caliber team. I think if they get past the Bucks, that the Celtics, they could go all the way to the finals. Like that's the team to beat. The Bucks are the team to beat in the East. And if they can get past the Bucks, I would not be surprised if they go to the NBA finals. Okay. One more before we let you go. How much does Marcus Smart winning defensive player of the year give the Celtics that extra push and that extra swagger that they need in the playoffs? You know what's crazy? I feel like they already had that swagger. Like, I feel like Marcus Smart already knew that he was the best defensive player in the NBA. You had players like Grant Williams, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, like lobbying for him at the podium literally almost every single game towards the end of the season. This team, even being around them, you could tell that they just, the aura, the vibe is just different. And just like Jalen Brown said earlier in the season that the energy was about to shift. It definitely shifted and they embraced it. And that swag, everything is there. All the ingredients are there for them to be successful in the postseason. All right, Amina, thank you so much for joining us. Everybody, you can check out Amina on NBC Sports Boston. She's got a front row seat to covering this Celtics team. And she's going to keep us locked in on all the drama between Deuce Tatum and Marcus Smart. Amina, thanks for joining us. (laughs) Thank you. I appreciate it. She was great.
I loved everything about Amina. She was really cool. I think we're going to have to have her on again if the Celtics win this series. Eddie, I know you think that the, the Nets are probably going to win, but if the Celtics win, we're going to get Amina back on. I'm totally with that, and I also uh, love hearing from a person who's originally from New York and has to make the trek to Boston and live there. there so but she I, likes I it. That. Yeah. Well, I you did, too. It too. I love Boston. I love it. I, I, I'm, I'm sad that I haven't been back there since uh, May of 2016, so I'd love to get back to, to Boston. Uh, only good positive experiences there. So it's And you're going to go to Lulu's to see Olivia's family. I think now she's too famous. She won't be there, but it is a great place. I remember, oh man, the, you get the bucket of champagne. They gave you the different juices for your mimosas. Uh, the food was awesome. It's a, it's a great spot. Parking is tricky over there, but I do like Lulu's yes. and it's in Boston. It's just like, I was there this past weekend. And it's like, man, they're building everywhere and there's not even a lot of room to build. Um, all right. One more topic before we say goodbye to all of our listeners, Garrett Cole. Oh my God. This is so funny. Everybody who hasn't been following or living under a rock. Garrett Cole last year was in a bit of trouble for a couple of reasons, but we're going to focus on the one reason. The spider tack, obviously he was suspended. He was he was unbelievable at the spider tack. He um, hasn't been able to use it since, and he's been terrible. I think this might be one of the most epic collapses of a very good pitcher and that we've probably ever seen and his most recent outing was against the tigers i think he made it what a couple it was one i think uh 1.2 innings the shortest outing of his career yeah yeah it was a little over an inning and and what did he give up seven runs no he no the yankees won the game he only gave up uh i think it was two runs by then he just walked like six batters there it is he walked Um, six batters um you are a yankees fan i am yeah what do you think of this well, uh, like I said, they won the game. So, number one, that's that's a, a good thing. Um, the, the next thing that you worry about is, is there an injury? So, if there's no injury, they check him out of the MRI and whatever you have to do. If he's clear, then this is not a cop-out answer, but I, you know, this is something, uh, you know, a couple weeks ago people were complaining about why are they still doing the runner on second base uh, I hate it. And, and, and the answer is because of the, the short spring training and the, how everything was delayed and the offseason. So now they don't want players to get injured and, and stuff like that. And to me, I guess, you know, and Cole made the, that, that dumb comment uh, about the opening day thing with uh, his, his pitching start time was moved back like three or four minutes for like the opening song or something, that whatever they did on the field. And he's a guy that's like clearly robotic. He but listen, to- baseball players are crazier than any other athletes sure. mentally. So sure. those types of things can throw a guy off. I'll yeah. give it to him there. Agreed. So what what I'm what I'm deducing here is that maybe his his off season program was not what it normally was. Like now, yeah, you can make the spider tack jokes like everyone has been doing. But he did pitch last year without spider tack, and he was fine last year. He was in the race for uh, the Cy Young last year at, at certain points. So I mean, he clearly could pitch without the spider tack. So I'm. I'm going to say, number one, it's early in the season, and two, his off-season workouts program, that everything being delayed with the MLB lockout kind of threw him off. And I would not be shocked come, you know, it's April 20th right now as we're recording. I would not be shocked come, you know, mid, mid-June, mid end of June, all of a sudden you're like, Garrett Cole is, is striking out 14 people a game and his ERA is, you know, below three. So uh, I'm not too concerned yet, but um, I think – I, I Something think- to monitor. 
Yeah, I, I I think so too. But I I also think with just this first season, this first month of the season for every player is they're struggling. A lot of guys aren't hitting the ball. Uh, pitchers are, you know, they're only throwing like 80 pitches and they're getting them taken out in like the third, fourth inning. So as it is across the board, like baseball, like starting pitchers aren't winning games. It's always a bullpen. And I think, you know, the obviously the short and off season really caused that. So if he's still pitching like crap, uh, in two months from now, and you want to say, hey, Eddie, you were wrong about this, and I'll say, like, you know, I'll eat my plate of crow. But right now, I'm not ultra worried about uh, Garrett Cole if it's a non-injury. All right. Well, or you have guys like Dave Roberts who's ruining baseball and pulling Clayton Kershaw when he has a perfect game going. Exactly. Uh, great point. Even yeah. though he's only thrown 80 pitches. Today, I was looking at my White Sox. They are playing the, I don't know what the heck their new name is called, the not Guardians. Not the, oh, the Guardians. Yeah, I, I, I haven't adjusted to it yet. And I was really thinking about uh, betting the White Sox to be up by a half a run through five innings, and they are down 10. So Dallas Keuchel's on the mound. He's given up a grand slam already, and it's not looking good for my White Sox today. But they've had a very impressive start to the season, so I won't overreact just yet. Luis Robert looks on fire. I believe Brother Bry and I both put – I definitely didn't. I think it was Brother Bry who said it. Um, MVP future odds on Luis Robert. So if you haven't done it yet, definitely do it because he looks like your early leader in that in that category. What do you think? Oh, I just got another notification. Maybe the White Sox heard me talking about them. What did they just do? Probably gave up another run. Oh no! Tim Anderson hit an RBI double. So my White Sox. They're listening to me right now, and they're coming back. They're only down by nine. Let's go. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to us, Megan Fun of Sports. We will be back with an episode next week. Thank you to Amina Smith of NBC Sports Boston for joining us on today's episode. Happy 420, everyone. Smoke them if you got them, and we will see you next week.